0: This is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. Well, we're also finishing up this series, Sunday is Not Enough. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about the book of Acts, the first church, right? How they lived out the message of Jesus, the, the sermon on the mount, his radical teachings and how they lived that out. And so this week, I, I just began to read through the book of Acts. Read a large portion of the book of Acts this week, just particularly thinking about the disciples. Who were they? How did they feel and think? And we've been watching through the Chosen series. I don't know how many of you have seen that. So good, right? Uh, We've been watching through that as a youth group and as a family. And it just gets you into the mindset of the disciples a little more. So I really started thinking about them, how they probably felt so left behind when Jesus ascended back into heaven, how, you know, they thought they were getting a new leader, a new world leader with the Messiah. They thought they would get new power and authority on earth. They would overthrow the Romans and kick out this government and they would be back in power. And then Jesus left. He ascended back into heaven. It must have felt like, what did we just do for the past three years? What was it all for? Did it it even mean anything? I mean, we don't even have much to show for it. He's gone now. All week I thought about one question. What's the difference between an apostle and a rabbi? Why did Jesus call those guys apostles? All throughout the book of Acts, they're called apostles. What's the difference between an apostle and a rabbi? What is actually an apostle? Now, Jesus was called a rabbi by many, meaning teacher. He was called a a prophet, and there were many prophets and rabbis before him, but there were never apostles before Jesus. Apostle is a New Testament word. It's a new word. They didn't use it in the Old Testament. It's all throughout the New Testament, actually, but never before. The word apostle actually comes from a Greek word, meaning one sent out. It got me thinking. Jesus was called rabbi, meaning teacher. His students came to him, but he appointed apostles, not rabbis, not prophets. He called the 12 around him and then he sent them out. We're meant to do the same. Would Jesus have been the world changer that he was if not for those apostles? All his teachings, I know it feels almost sacrilegious to even ask that question. Well, of course he would. But he called the 12 disciples, right? He put that system into place, so it must have been perfect, whole, complete, right? God does not do anything halfway. So Jesus called the 12 around him. He called the apostles to be world changers. All Jesus' teachings would have been the same without the apostles, but would we know them? All the miracles would have happened. But would they have inspired pursuance of the Holy Spirit for centuries afterward? The humility, the forgiveness, all of those teachings from the Sermon on the Mount. Would we still know them today? 2,000 years later, if not for those apostles. I've shared this before, but I read an article uh, a while ago now that I linked in the app sermon notes. If you want to go and find the actual article, it's a HuffPost article. By John Ortberg, and it's called Six Surprising Ways Jesus Changed the World. And I want to share this again, because I think sometimes we get our perspective so off. For the first time in history, we know all of the world's current events, right? And it sounds bad all of the time, and yet Jesus changed the world. We often think the world is just, it's getting worse, it's going to hell in a handbasket, everything's terrible. Doom and gloom, right? But Jesus changed the world for the better. Yale historian, uh, Jaroslav Pelikan wrote, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. If it were possible with some sort of supermagnet to pull up out of history every scrap of metal bearing at least a trace of his name, how much would be left? Would there actually be anything left? Uh, Jesus changed six main things. That we feel in culture today. We, we still believe as culture today. It wasn't a thing in ancient history until Jesus first, and I think I have them listed. He changed how we see children. And this feeds down to all the other ones. In the ancient world, children were routinely left to die of exposure. Just think about that for a second. They weren't valued enough. We see it occasionally today, but this was it was routine. It was normal. Nobody came to the rescue. They were routinely left to die of exposure, particularly if they were the wrong gender. You can guess which one is the wrong one. They were often sold into slavery. Jesus' treatment of and teachings about children led to the forbidding of such practices, as well as orphanages and godparents, religious organizations, Christian organizations, set up Orphanages, they didn't exist before Jesus. The system of godparents didn't exist before Jesus. What to do with children when the parents pass away? A Norwegian scholar named Bach wrote a study of this impact, simply titled, When Children Became People. The birth of childhood in early Christianity. Children became people when Jesus called them. So he changed the world we now still see them differently. And because of this, he changed education forever. Love of learning led to monasteries, which became the cradle of academic guilds. Universities such as Cambridge, Oxford, Harvard, all began as Jesus-inspired efforts to love God with all one's mind. Didn't exist before Jesus. The first legislation to publicly fund education in the colonies was called the Old Deluder Satan Act. The old deluder Satan act under the notion that God does not want any child ignorant. The ancient world loved education, but tended to reserve it for the rich, the, the elite, those well-born, right? And the notion that every child bore God's image helped fuel the move for universal literacy. Jesus changed that. Compassion. Jesus had a universal concern for those who suffered that transcended the rules of the ancient world. His compassion for the poor and the sick led to institutions for lepers, which were the beginning of modern day hospitals. We wouldn't have hospitals if Jesus didn't come. The Council of Nyssa decreed that whenever, a, wherever a cathedral existed, there must also be a hospice or a place of caring for the sick and poor. That's why even today, hospitals have names like Good Shepherd or Good Samaritan or St. Anthony, things like that. They were the world's first voluntary, charitable institutions for health, compassion. He also changed how we view many virtues, like courage and wisdom, but also humility. The ancient world valued courage and wisdom, but they didn't value humility. People were generally divided into first class and coach. That is it. Rank must be preserved, said Cicero. Some of our early philosophers held to it. Plutarch wrote a self-help book called How to Praise Yourself Inoffensively. But <laughs> Jesus' life as a foot-washing servant
1: would eventually
0: lead to the adoption of humility as a widely admired virtue. Historian John Dixon writes, It is unlikely that any of us would aspire to this virtue were it not for the historical impact of his crucifixion. Our culture remains cruciform long after it stopped being Christian. We still value humility. Forgiveness. In the ancient world, virtue meant rewarding your friends and punishing your enemies. Conan the Barbarian was actually paraphrasing Genghis Khan in his famous answers to the question, what is best in life? He said, to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of their women. Didn't value. (laughs) Forgiveness, loving your enemy. These were radical teachings. And we talked about this in the first week of this series, right? Jesus spoke about the things in the Sermon on the Mount, right? All of those radical teachings, they sound kind of normal to us. I mean, the golden rule is in there. We still teach that in American schools today. Do unto others as, they would have, as you would have them do to you, right? It's, we all know it. It's the golden rule. Nobody knew it before Jesus. It was radical teaching. The Sermon on the Mount was radical. An alternative idea came from Jesus, an alternative to history. What is best in life is to love your enemies and see them reconciled to you. Hannah Orange, the first woman appointed to full professorship at Princeton, claimed the discoverer of the role of forgiveness in the realm of human affairs was Jesus of Nazareth. Even the educational world acknowledges he changed the world forever. He gave the idea of forgiveness unique publicity in the ancient world. Changed it. And the last one is humanitarian reform. From this article, Jesus had a way of championing championing the excluded that was often downright irritating to those in power. His inclusion of women led to a community to which women flocked in disproportionate numbers, and they still do today. Slaves, up to a third of ancient populations. Slaves were up to a third of ancient populations. Slaves might wander into a church fellowship and have a slave owner wash their feet rather than beat them. One ancient text instructed bishops to not interrupt worship to greet a wealthy attender, but to sit on the floor and welcome the poor. The Apostle Paul said, Now there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male and female, but all are one in Christ Jesus. Thomas Cahill wrote that this was the first statement of egalitarianism in human literature. First one. Jesus changed the world in so many ways. Uh, Every single U.S. election presidential campaign, there is somebody that will say, this is the most important election of all time, right? Just like they'll say about the last one and and the next one. Meanwhile, the unpredictable influence of an unelected carpenter continues to endure and spread across the world, In fact, every presidential candidate has to tell everybody what he believes about this poor, unelected carpenter rabbi from 2,000 years ago. It's amazing what Jesus has done. Whatever you believe about Jesus, his influence on the world is undeniable and it is good. When you look at the world through those lenses, it's hard to see a world that's getting worse. As our Christian culture so often wants to believe, we want to point our finger at everybody and and, and say how terrible it's getting, how, how dark it's getting. And we, we think we have to hide our children away from the world and shelter them and sequester them so they aren't influenced. Do what you like, but I raise my children to be influencers. Not influence leaders, not followers of anyone but Jesus to spread the good news. If we don't tell them, who will? If my children aren't there, who will stand up for the bullied? Who will sit with the kid who doesn't have any friends? If my kids aren't there, who will do that? What happens to the world when we pull out of it? I don't believe our world is getting worse. There are certainly times. There have certainly been worse times in history to exist. Before the flood, for example, sounds pretty bad. So bad Jesus, God wiped them all out, right? Um, the Sodom and Gomorrah sounds pretty bad. Read the account again. It's horrible. Evil has been here from the very beginning. Nothing new under the sun. Culture changes, ebbs and flows, but God is still in control. The evil may be getting more press now, more publicity, but there has always been evil in the human heart since we were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. We have nothing to fear from this world. Jesus has overcome it. And he lives in us. Not in churches. Not in Christian settings. In us. We take him wherever we go. And so, if not for the disciples, the apostles, the ones sent out, would we even know? Moses also had an impact on history, but our culture doesn't quote him. Not nearly as much anyway. Right? Elijah, Elisha, big prophets in the Old Testament. They did miracles, but we barely know their stories. God has always worked through people. It's called incarnational ministry, if you want to get technical about it. God has always worked through people. Jesus commissioned people. He sent us out. Human and flawed and sinful people. It's amazing that God uses me, us. Incarnational ministry, he continues to use us. And the account that we're going to read today is our commissioning. So far in this series, we've talked about our identity, who we are as believers and who we are as Freedom Valley Church. We are vibrant disciples that are single-minded in our life worship of God. We are... Passionate disciples, obediently pursuing more of God. And we are selfless disciples, willing to sacrifice comfort to demonstrate love. But what do we do with that? That's who we are. What do we do with that? God is a purposeful God. He doesn't develop us for no reason. He doesn't develop us for our own sake. The overflow should be spilling on to the world around us. So this passage we're reading today comes from the book of Acts, but it's actually in Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke as well, just filtered through their different personalities. Matthew is a book that shows us the excellent side of things. As we're talking about the difference in the apostles and the difference in the disciples, people often ask, "What? why are there the same stories, but they're a little bit different in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Matthew shows us the excellent side, the regal, the respectable, the powerful side of Jesus. He wants us to see uh, that he was king, all powerful, right? He has has an attention to detail. Nothing is out of order in the book of Matthew. He quoted the Old Testament the most as well. He wants you to see the whole picture. He, He was the accountant, the detail guy. The book of Mark is all about the servanthood of Jesus. There's no genealogy in the book of Mark like the others, because who would want to know the pedigree of a servant? He wanted us to see that Jesus put others first. We get to see that in the book of Mark. The book of Luke is trying to show us Jesus as a man, his human side, his relationship side. He was a friend. He was a person. Speaking of the chosen, this always hits me about the series, The Chosen, too. You get to see portrayal of Jesus that is just so human it's amazing and the book of John is trying to show us that Jesus was God his sovereign side that he was also holy not just king but God right so we see all of these different perspectives Matthew Mark Luke and John and we know from Matthew's gospel that this account happened on a mountain in Galilee, Jesus had asked them to meet him there. And being the passionate, obedient disciples they are, they went. And so we're going to read out of Acts 1, verse 6 today, what happened on that mountain. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Still didn't get it. <laughs> Uh, this is this account that we're reading today happens after the crucifixion, after three years of, of ministry with Jesus. They walked with him for three years, and they still didn't understand that Jesus wasn't saying. They still didn't get it. On top of the mountain, right before Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, okay? They're still saying, Lord, has the time come? Are you going to free Israel now? Are you going to restore our kingdom? Are you going to kick out the Romans and make us in charge? Can we sit at your right hand? Can we be your, your go-to guys? you are still not getting it. Has the time come? And he replies, verse seven, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. The sooner we get this, but there are things that are not for us to know. Father alone has set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Can you imagine that feeling? Just imagine for a second, you're standing on that mountain watching your rabbi, your, your everything for the past three years leave. Leave. A second ago, you were talking about the kingdom and you thought he was going to establish this, this rule on earth and now he's just gone. They didn't know what to do. They're still standing there looking up. It'd still be standing there looking up into the clouds if not for those men, those two white-robed men. I said, what are you doing, guys? Go back down the mountain. <laughs> Go do what he told you to do, Right? they're still standing there saying has the time come. Christians today are still doing the same thing. Has the time come? Right? We're way more focused on the end times these days than the current times. The fact that Jesus made this world better by coming into it and that's the good news. The good news. It is good news. I feel like I have to say that a bunch of times every time I say it, because we often want to deliver bad news. You're a sinner and you're going to hell. That's the bad news. We, we want to judge the world into submission. It doesn't work like that, or it would have worked before Jesus came. Jesus came because it didn't work. He came to give good news, to fulfill the law, to pay the price for us. The one person on planet Earth qualified to judge us, and he chose not to. What makes you think you have the right? Jesus made this world better by coming into it. And when asked, has the time come? He said, it's not for you to know. But world changers are focused on their mission, and they trust God to work out the future. Jesus was a master at redirection. He did it a lot. You watch through or read through the Gospels again with like that preschool mentality. I don't know how many of you have ever taught preschool, but you teach a three-year-old, redirection. They're focused on a toy somebody else just has to have, and you give them a new toy, right? Redirection. <laughs> Jesus redirected all the time. We're so focused on the, the here and now, the, the selfish choices, the... Promote me choices. We see the disciples doing this all throughout his ministry. And he redirects. Come on, guys. You're focused on the wrong thing. Has the time come? It's not for you to know. But you do have a job here and now. Your job is is important. It's to be my witnesses. To go tell people what you have seen and heard. And you're going to get power to do that. Not leaving you alone have a job to do. He didn't reprimand them them for asking. Right? He just redirected. Because I think their hearts were ultimately in the right place. It's okay to long for the days when God will set everything right. Someday Jesus is coming back and he's going to make it right. New heaven, new earth. It's going to be right. Today is not that day. We have a purpose here still, or he would be back by now. I will get to be in his presence all the time someday. Today is not that day. It's not where we are right now. I think a lot of Christians are trying to do God's job for him. Has the time come? Jesus didn't come to set up governments and military and control people. He could have. He chose not to. Why are we still trying to today? The church is meant to be altogether different. The church is meant to be different from anything else on planet earth. Jesus was so different. That's a preview of the sermon series we're starting next week, by the way. Different. We're meant to be different. The teachings from the Sermon on the Mount, which we start where we started in the series, were radically different. Today they might seem commonplace because we were all raised with the golden rule, but to the ancient world, they were radical. To the listeners of that day, they had Pharisees running around telling everybody to get their act together. right? These, these people with power and, and religion, and they had all their ducks in a row. They were running around telling everybody, get your act together or the Messiah will never come. The Messiah won't come and free us from, from Roman rule and, and put us back in charge of the world they were heaping shame and guilt on everyone's heads. Today, we have similar end times experts in quotes because how do you, how are you an expert on something that hasn't happened yet? End times experts running around terrifying people, telling everyone they better get their act together before the Messiah comes and free them from the world's rule. Right, They better watch out for the mark of the beast. They might miss the rapture. It's fear and shame and guilt. It is going to happen, sure. But Jesus taught us to spread good news, not bad news. Not planting anxiety everywhere we go. Be wary of people who claim to be experts on something that hasn't happened yet. The Pharisees also thought they knew. <laughs> Pharisees were experts on messianic prophecies and they missed him when he was right in front of them. I don't want to miss him. Jesus said, there are some things that are not for you to know. I'm just going to have to be okay with that. I have faith that it's going to be okay, that God's going to make it okay. And I have a job to do now, redirect myself back to the job. The job is to go and be witnesses. Go and tell people what you have seen and heard. That's it. You don't have to be a, a scholar, a expert on the word, the Bible, the end times, any of it. What have you seen and heard? What have you experienced? What is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? You're called to be a witness to that. And have faith that God will work out the future. Let God do his job and you go do yours. Go back down the mountain. World changers have to go back down the mountain. Those apostles on that mountain that got to see Jesus ascend, they got to be with him. I mean, they were practically setting up camp up there, having a campfire and s'mores. (laughs) They couldn't stay there. We need those moments with Jesus, don't get me wrong. We need those mountaintop moments with our God, those conference moments, those moments where you get away from everything and everyone and just focus on him. That's why kids camp and youth camp and conferences, they're so powerful. So we're setting aside time to just focus on Jesus. They can be big, life-changing moments, but we can't stay there. We have a job to do. There were people in Jesus' time that tried to stay there too. One of the four main Jewish political movements of Jesus' day were the Essenes, and they sequestered themselves. They, they removed themselves from humanity, from, from politics, from culture, from all of it. Jesus didn't side with them either. He didn't side with any of them. So we have a job to do. He withdrew in prayer a lot, but then he came back out to the people. He didn't stay there. To do that, come back down the mountain, sometimes we need a few things. And it got me thinking, why did Jesus choose to have those apostles there? When he ascended back into heaven, he could have just gone. Why did he choose to have the apostles there? I think there's a few reasons, and I think they're the same things that we need today. The apostles needed closure, first of all. Sometimes we can't walk into a new season because we can't let go of the old one. Jesus is standing there in front of us with a new season, blessings and, and freedom, open-handed to give to you. But we just can't let go of the old one. We keep rereading the last chapter of the old book. I just want to stay here a little longer. I just want Jesus to be here in front of me a little longer. I need to ask him questions. There's so much we haven't talked about yet. Now, I don't know if I can do this without him. Jesus is saying, but I have the Holy Spirit for you. I have a new season for you. You just have to let go of the old one. Close that chapter. What chapter do you need to close right now in order to be ready for what God is calling you to? Close the book. He has better for you, All right? They needed that mountaintop moment to inspire them to begin a new chapter, a new season of trust. Some Christians, we've, we've given our lives to Jesus so many times. And we keep coming back. But then we don't do anything with it after that. We don't enter into the new season. Just keep rereading the old chapter. Keep raising our hands again. Keep texting I'm in over and over Close the book. (laughs) Give yourself closure and move into the next season. I, I think if they hadn't seen Jesus ascend, they might still be looking for him around every corner. They'd still be hoping they'll run into him on the beach while fishing. Right? There were multiple times during between the time that Jesus rose from the grave and he ascended, that they just ran into him. They just found him. Right? He was In the midst of them, all of a sudden, I think they were still just hoping. Maybe he'll just show up and he won't leave. And we can do this all over again. They needed closure. That was a season and it was for a purpose. But now we move into the next, right? They also needed a commissioning. At some point in your discipleship walk, you have to transition from a lamb to a sheep. I know sheep doesn't sound great in our cultural context right now. But we are. We are followers of Jesus. Amen? I mean, it's okay to be a sheep of Jesus. I hope that I am, actually. I hope that I follow him, not blindly, but with faith, not needing to know all of the answers, right? At some point, we have to transition from an infant to an adult, always with Jesus as the shepherd, but maybe also have some little lambs following us at some point. These apostles needed a commissioning. They needed to go out and start feeding other sheep. I can't tell you when it will happen for you. You know, I've seen many people make that transition from disciple to disciple-maker, It's a powerful moment, but you have to find someone to duplicate your faith with and into. Otherwise, you stall out at a certain point. Jesus called these disciples as just men. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were just normal, everyday people. He trained them, and then he sent them out. He commissioned them. He gave them purpose. If... In anything you do, if you don't know the purpose behind it, it's bound to get a little old and stale. After a while, it's just busy work. If you don't know the purpose behind it, they needed to move from disciple to apostle. They needed a commissioning. They also needed to get to work. They had to get buckled down and just get to work. They had spent weeks looking for Jesus, knowing he had risen and waiting to see him around every corner. I think we're still processing all of that craziness a little bit, and it's... It's okay to process. Isn't it cool that God gave them a little time (laughs) to process everything that had just happened? work through it a little bit, but now it was time. It was time. At the end of John, one of my favorite scenes in the whole Bible is when Jesus, he shows up. It's it's again in the time between when he rose from the dead and when he ascended back into heaven. And the disciples, I don't, we don't see this part, but it seems like maybe they were just like, you know what, we don't know what to do. There's no Jesus around. We haven't seen him in a while. I guess we'll just go back to fishing. I don't know. Right? And so we see them out on the boats, and then suddenly Jesus shows up on the beach, and he cooks them breakfast on the beach, calls them in, and then instead of hashing everything out with Peter, remember Peter had denied Jesus three times in the worst moment. I mean, he had that soul-crushing, you know, disappointing, his rabbi. And instead of Jesus hashing it all out with him over breakfast that he had cooked, he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, of course, Lord, you know I do. He says, then go feed my sheep. No, he says lambs first. Go feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Of course, Lord, you know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Peter's a little hurt by <laughs> the third time. He says, Lord, you know I do. Then feed my sheep. There's a reason you know that I love you. There's a reason. There's a reason. You're meant to go tell others. You're meant to go help Others, and it doesn't matter what you've done. I think the reason Jesus said it three times was because Peter denied him three times in a roundabout way, without heaping shame and guilt. And the genius of Jesus, actually, his wisdom, he addresses it without addressing it. Brings him back into forgiveness. But Peter wasn't yet getting busy. It wasn't until he ascended back into heaven and gave him a commissioning that, Jesus start, that Peter started getting to work. They started meeting and prayer every day after that. And it was after that that the Holy Spirit came, because number four is they needed a helper. The sending out the mission, the great calling Jesus had just placed on their lives couldn't have been accomplished without the helper, the Holy Spirit. But we were never meant to do any of this on our own strength. When we try, we fail because we're human, right? But we were never meant to do it on our own strength. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So many Christians, I know, we try to do this on our own. We listen to voices of many preachers these days. We get all kinds of conflicting things. We we research stuff. We can't figure it out on our own. We never stop to just think and Stop and, and just say, Jesus, you explain it to me. You help me. We, we sometimes forget that there is a two-way conversation. We don't have to rely on just the, the wisdom of other people, but that Jesus wants to speak directly to you, into your soul. They can change you from the inside out. You don't have to strive and work so hard to change your behavior from the outside in that he will do it from the inside out. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly what the church today needs. Closure on the past. Stop opening the book of the past and rereading the last chapter and getting caught back up in our bondage, our selfishness, our sin. Close the book and fully step into what God has for you. This means choosing obedience. It's commissioning. It's purpose beyond just resisting the the sin of the world and judging the world and not getting the mark of the beast and all of that. There's so much more to it. Showing the world love demonstrating peace in the middle of the storm, not in the absence of it. Letting them see you having joy overflowing. We're called to spread the good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. And in this series, we have defined vibrant, passionate, and selfless. What it means to be those things. Vibrant disciples are single-minded in their dynamic life worship of God just like Peter was. In the first second week of this series, we talked about how Peter laid down his own pride, his own preconceived notions, his own prejudices against Gentiles and allowed the Holy Spirit to change his heart. Right? Passionate disciples obediently pursue Jesus. And the next week we talked about how Ananias passionately, obediently said yes to the Holy Spirit, even in the face of a murderer. Christian murder and ended up seeing Saul become Paul, one of the greatest apostles of all time. My selfless disciples, like Stephen from last week, willing to sacrifice comfort, even his own life, to demonstrate love, just like Jesus. That's how we change the world with the message of the gospel. We actually become those things. Actually becoming vibrant, passionate, and selfless will naturally flow out of us world changers. The message of the gospel is enough to change the world. We need no more than that, other than to be fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't stay here. A Sunday is not enough. Church on a Sunday morning isn't enough. We can't do Sunday every day. Why? Because there's only Christians here. If we don't go, who will tell them? We stay here every day. Who will tell them? Don't discover church, a home, a place to find inspiration and the presence of God that you need, and then keep it all to yourself was meant for only you. Get off that mountain. We aren't the church because we all believe the same thing. We're the church because we have a singular purpose. We aren't the church because we all get along. <laughs> Thank God. We're the church because we are co-workers in this mission. We have a singular mission and calling, singular purpose on planet Earth. And that is to go In the doors and back out. That is to go up the mountain and back down. We come to church. We gather to find that inspiration. We come in. We get inspired. And then we go back out. Sunday morning, Monday morning. Renew your vibrancy. Feed your passion. Practice selflessness. That is how you change the world. We've got a job to do, people a job to do just like those men in white standing on the mountain I'm going to say it to you today why are you still standing here staring into heaven Jesus isn't here right now he's coming back what are you going to do to help the world be ready for that Some of us stand around sometimes doing nothing, wondering and and pleading with God about what our purpose is. As a believer, you don't ever have to wonder what your purpose is. It's been given to you in the Word. You don't have to wonder. Your purpose on planet Earth is to be a witness. Tell people. Go and tell people what you have seen and heard, what you know about who Jesus is, what you have experienced. You are not purposeless. We do that in all kinds of different ways, but it's one purpose, one mission, one calling to be his witnesses. We have to stop being Christians on Sunday only. We need to take a page out of the Book of Acts church, the Apostles church and be the church not just on Sunday, but every day. Live it out. Invite people into your home. Share your lives with them. Be open and and honest and real, always renewing your vibrancy by following the Holy Spirit like Peter, feeding your passion by being obedient like Ananias, practicing selflessness like Stephen, and by coming down off the mountain to be witnesses like the apostles. That's how we change the world with a message of the gospel. Father, We thank you and praise you this morning for the stories of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, for the stories of the book of Acts that we get to have this beautiful picture into what you did on planet Earth. That you came here to love us, to lay your life down for us. The only person qualified to judge us and you chose not to. Thank you, Jesus. God, help us always. Remember the good news. The good news in our own souls first. That we would first be preachers of the word to ourselves. Always remembering that you don't require perfection. That we could never achieve it if we tried. That we're not earning salvation that you've already given it to us. Just require willingness. Thank you, Jesus. Heads bowed and eyes still closed. Maybe today you're saying, I've been trying to hide from the world instead of influence it. This convicted me a little today. I need to get to work. I need to stop thinking that I'm so influenceable. I'm so impressionable by the world thinking it's all evil and I need to hide from it and I just need to go get to work that I am in control through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus healed me from all those temptations. I can do this. I can do this. That's you today. I'd like to pray for you. Maybe you're in the I need to close some chapters boat. There's some stuff I'm still hanging on to. Some sins, some selfishness that I keep going back to I haven't let go of yet. But today, I want to walk confidently into a new chapter with Jesus. If that's you today, you are going to close the book on the old. You need that closure, and you need to radically give your life to Jesus today. I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe some of you today, I'm going to give you a chance to raise your hand for all of this in just a moment, but maybe some of you today are just saying, you know what, I gave my life to Jesus, but I haven't quite figured out my place of purpose yet I know there's a purpose within me There's some burning desire to share Jesus with someone and I'm just looking for a place to do that Father speak to hearts and minds today Convict us direct us, guide us tear down walls, open up our hearts to you thank you Jesus if you've been trying to hide from the world instead of influence it, today you'd like to change that. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? There's nobody looking around. I'm not keeping tabs on who's raising your hand. This is just between you and God. You want to just to God say, I want to influence the world. I want to be an influencer for Jesus. I don't want to hide anymore. If that's you. Just raise your hand between you and God. We're going to pray over you in just a moment. Thank you. You can put those down. Maybe you're saying, I haven't found my place of purpose yet. I know there's a purpose within me, and I'm just praying, God, send me someone. Someone to share the good news with, someone to tell about Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Again, we just want to pray for you. Awesome. can put down. And finally, if you just need Jesus, you want to close the chapter, end the book on the old and become a new creature in Christ you want to step into the new what God has for you maybe you've never done that before it's just been a really long time start fresh with Jesus today so easy anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved Jesus has made it so easy he came to earth to make it easy have a relationship with the heavenly father, to have your sins and selfishness and past forgiven and wiped away. You are a new creature in Christ today. If you raise your hand and say, I'm in, I'm into following Jesus. I'm into the forgiveness that he offers. I want to start fresh. I believe in him. That's you today. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? I want to follow Jesus, maybe for the first time today, the first time in a long time. If you're watching online, you can text I'm in to the number on the screen. We'd love to have that conversation with you as well. Help you know what it means to follow Jesus. Father, once again, we just thank you and praise you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die for us, to forgive us, but not leave us in that. Thank you that he sent us a helper, that the Holy Spirit will come and commission us and give us power to go out and complete that mission. Father, we thank you and praise you that you include us in your purpose. Will you show us what to do along the way? Father, help us be the vibrant, passionate, selfless church you have called us to be. Help us truly change the world with the message of the gospel. Not just on Sunday, but every day. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fe.church/imn. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.